This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं छोड़ते वेलकम टू अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ हफ्ता फ्रॉम एन एक्सट्रीमली रेनी डेली इट हैज बीन रेनिंग सिंस मॉर्निंग वी आर रिकॉर्डिंग दिस एट थ्री इन द आफ्टरनून ऑन थर्सडे द ट्वेंटी सेकेंड ऑफ सेप्टेम्बर एंड एवर सिंस आई गॉट टू ऑफिस दिस मॉर्निंग विच इज अराउंड टेन इश इट हैज नॉट स्टॉप्ड रेनिंग सो एज रमन सर सेट दैट प्रोडिक्शन वॉज दे विल बी नो रेन दिस वीक दैज बिन मोर रेन टूडे दैन दैज बिन थ्रू आउट दिस ईयर सो On that note I hope you are all safe and dry wherever you are listening to us from today uh, before I introduce our guests and we have two guests who will give us an a, a more accurate and closer account of something that's been making the headlines for at least 3 days of this week uh, in all sorts of bizarre ways on Indian broadcast news uh, but before I introduce them let me introduce our regular in-house panel we have in the studio Mehraj Lone hi Mehraj hello Raman Kripal Hi joining us from Chennai is Jayashree hi Jayashree Hi and joining us on the phone line from the United Kingdom are two guests Amrit Wilson hi Amrit Hi hi Amrit and Sunny Hundal hi Sunny Hello so let me introduce uh, our two guests first Amrit is a writer journalist and activist who since the 70s has focused on issues of race and gender in Britain and South Asian politics her book released in 1978 Finding a Voice Asian Women in Britain the link to which you can find in the show notes below won the martin luther king award and remains an influential feminist book she is also a member of south asia solidarity group a long established organization based in london which has been campaigning against the forces of hindutva for more than two decades as a journalist her work has been published in outlets including ceasefire magazine media diversified open democracy economic and political weekly and the guardian so amrit we look forward to hearing your views and sunny hundal he's a journalist a writer and a political commentator he has been writing for the bbc and has previously worked with the guardian hindustan times and the independent and uh, more recently you may have seen twitter thread of his that kind of became really popular to give first hand accounts of what was happening in leicester but before we get to the discussion uh, we'll just get the headlines jashree can you please give us the headlines for the week yeah so here are the headlines rss chief mohan bhagwat met members of the muslim community in delhi it was a recent closed door meeting where he asked them to clear their stands on different issues the biggest news of the week would be that tensions erupted in the british city of leicester following an indian and pa- india pakistan cricket match on august 28th a flare up was also reported on september 17th between hindu and muslim groups after a protest march was held The Indian High Commission to the UK has sought immediate action from authorities on the violence. In fact, that's happening as we speak. Jay Shankar had said that. But you know, coming to the first headline, uh, after this meeting with many Muslim intellectuals and religious leaders had with Mohan Bhagwat, um, the one of them has said, I forget what he heads, that he is the वो राष्ट्रपिता हैं. He is the father of the nation, and whatever he says is right. We should all. you know get along with each other and i was like really? yeah i'll just tell you who he is it's he's just being candid i mean that's that's true right <laughs> <laughs> no for me it ain't mm-hmm. but yeah there's a bunch of media headlines now inb minister anurag thakur on monday called for neutrality in news he said loud debates on television make it attention but not credibility wow and two mm. days later the supreme court followed this up by also talking about tv news and anchors It said they often escape getting any punishment for giving space to hate speech. He said it's a duty of an anchor to see that hate speech does not continue the moment someone starts, 
but anchors are not being dealt with firmly so yeah the and supreme court is putting it on the anchors not just on the anchor they mm. have also spoken about the government ki why why they remain mute, mute on these issues mm yes uh, so so i mean maybe anurag thakur raised his voice but i think it is too late <laughs> or maybe he was he may have an idea of what was to come hmm um another media update in the trp scam which we'll all remember from 2020 the enforcement directorate has given a clean chit to republic and republic bharat while it has said india today is under further investigation its charge sheet said it found no evidence against republic and it also did not name arnab goswami the ed also said that the mumbai police's investigation was in variance with its own hmm Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal on Sunday alleged that Prime Minister Modi's advisor Hiren Joshi had warned the editors and owners of several news channels not to cover his party ahead of the assembly election in Gujarat. Good to see that some things haven't changed, like things that are whispered in Delhi for years. <laughs> Arvind has a habit of like the Vadra case. Also, <laughs> he has a habit of <laughs> saying from a pulpit. Now, of course, he'll be sued. Because he can't prove it. But there's always been like this one person somewhere around the PMO who is kind of dictated like back when Brijesh Mishra was the mm. NSA through to Jaitley mm. and all the others. This is we don't have any Brijesh Mishra now. In fact, we have many Brijesh Mishras. Yeah, allocated for each ministry, mm. <laughs> and uh, they reign supreme. Yeah, they're on there now. But of course, no one, I mean, no one complied the way they comply now. Yes, I mean it is like yeah. that's because the media landscape has also changed a lot since that time. Also, the the economics um, has changed. Yeah, the NIA on Sunday said it had raided forty locations in Andhra Pradesh and Telangana in connection with alleged terror terror links of the Popular Front of India. Then on Thursday today, over hundred were arrested in anti-terror raids against the PFI in eleven states. I think the maximum arrests were made in Kerala. Yeah, we'll twenty-two dis- people. We'll we'll discuss this, I guess, in little detail later in this episode. And a very controversial headline of the week, which is that Wipro has fired three hundred employees for working for competitors. They call this moonlighting. So mm. They said there is no place for them. Right. We shall right. discuss this in a little detail also later in this episode. Uh, former Punjab Chief Minister Amarinder Singh on Monday joined the Bharatiya Janata Party in New Delhi. He also announced the merger of his outfit, which is the Punjab Lok Congress, with the BJP. I don't think anyone is surprised. Yeah, no one is, or anybody cares. Yeah, or anybody matter. cares. Yeah. More importantly, hmm. more news from Punjab is that the governor has rejected the AAP government's demand for a special session of the assembly to introduce a confidence motion. Chief Minister Bhagwant Mann has now said the cabinet will convene an assembly select section on September twenty seventh, and that they will approach the Supreme Court against the governor's decision. I believe the AAP is also holding a protest march to the Punjab Raj Bhavan. Today, yeah. So, I mean, they're saying if they get a full state, then they'll be allowed to function. <laughs> Guess what? No, they won't. Hmm. I have to say though, like one thing about Arvind Kejriwal is that every single week he manages to figure in at least two or three headlines. Yeah, man. Like even though these are headlines across the country, he somehow makes himself like yeah. in the news. No, in the fact, news. BJP uh, is looking out, you know, for any controversy. I mean, because Gujarat, latest... yeah. Like the for example, the uh, no, just the Gujarat. One. The latest. I mean, uh, very man. small. No, no. But not even Bhagwan. Bhagwan is over. Hmm. Now the another one which is coming up that uh, they are appointing up, you know, members in uh, government bodies and giving them salaries, you know, as good as an IAS officer gets. So that's the latest which has come. Oh, really? Ah, uh, so today we shall we shall get to the bottom <laughs> of that as well. Uh, 
In Gandhinagar, protests were held inside the assembly and outside the secretariat, where the first day of the monsoon session began. Ten Congress MLAs were suspended by the speaker. In Aligarh, the police have booked Hindutva supremacist uh, Yati Narsinghanand for calling for the demolition of madrasas and Aligarh Muslim University. He said they should be blown to bits with gunpowder. Mm. The CBI has told the Supreme Court it found no criminality during its inquiry into the Radia tapes. And finally, in Iran, uh, protests have broken out after a 22-year-old woman died days after being detained by the regime's morality police for allegedly not complying with the country's hijab regulations. Right, so, and the police have released a video hmm. and the victim's family says it's edited, which shows that she kind of try, at least tries to show that she collapsed on her own. She wasn't beaten up and all that stuff. Hmm. But the family are saying it's an edited video, so we can't hmm. trust it. And uh, there is a bark-related headline which Republic going at India today. We'll come to that a little later. But first, let's discuss the main, you know, issue that we've been discussing this week's hafta, which is the violence at Leicester. You know, the 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 fact is that people were playing it down as if it was not a big deal. Yet, mm. for a lot of Muslims in the town, it felt like this was a culmination of uh, attacks as well as sort of rising tension against them because there have been other incidents between Hindus and Muslims there. And so a lot of Muslims, well, a mob, a gang of Muslims felt like they needed to respond back. So they went around some of the houses, uh, Hindu-dominated houses in Leicester, and then started attacking people. One of them had a knife and then ripped up a Hindu um, a flag in front of the Hindu house. Um, I don't know the exact nature, but I've seen the videos. So that led to lots of Hindus passing around these videos and saying, look, the Muslims are attacking us in our homes, in our communities. We need to mobilize against them. As you can imagine, this kind of stuff happens in India all the time, hmm. that it basically led to this escalation on both sides, on the Hindu side as well as the Muslim side, saying that the other community is coming for us. The police is not going to help. So we have to mobilize ourselves. And it led to the situation where on Saturday, just the Saturday gone past in Leicester uh, in the morning, about 300 Hindus turned up in Leicester. And a lot of those people were from outside. Uh, you know, they had been mobilized through social media, WhatsApp, etc. And, um, you know, decided to turn up and sort of show force, basically, and say to Muslims that we are, um, you know, um, in, you know, not, not going to take, we're going to protect our community. What we find, though, is that the um, RSS, which has an overseas wing called the HSS, Hindu Swam Sevaksan, has established itself uh, very solidly in Britain. And this is something we cannot ignore because um, it also influences uh, the political parties, it it's influences day-to-day -day life and so on. And what we have in Leicester, therefore, is since the uh, from the 80s and 90s, I mean, the RSS, the first office in Britain was set up in 1966. And um, initially it was quite a small office and there were not many members. But when the East African nations came, um, they, um, they had already been um, indoctrinated by the RSS um, in places like Uganda, where there were very early shakhas and so on. So they um, basically um, set up and joined the various 
branches of, of the affiliated organizations which the HS has set up. So there were, you know, they took over temples, they um, had women's organizations and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and by the 80s and 90s, we find that the um, Hindu, basically the Hindutva forces were able to exploit the multicultural policies of the state to get more resources, more funding and so on. And um, as a result, you know, they became very much a thriving force. They were carrying weapons, they were hooded. Um, the next day, a lot of uh, blue um, surgical gloves were found on the ground. These are to avoid fingerprints. Yeah, I saw the videos of, of them. Yeah, but so, I, I was, you know... I was a little surprised at how mild uh, the cops uh, are in London. I mean, Indian cops exactly. and American cops. If Indian cops would have clobbered, a few heads would have been split open and, and the American cops would have emptied out their magazines. What, I, <laughs> is, it, is this well, like... That, I, I can't quite understand that, how... That, that, I think, interestingly, in the same, uh, same time, the one day before that, a man called Chris Kaba was driving a car in London and he was shot by the police. He was unarmed. He was simply doing his own business, whatever, he was going somewhere. He was yeah. shot dead. He was a black man. So, I mean, the level of um, cop violence is enormous, okay. but in general, it's targeted at either black people or Muslims, because we mustn't forget that there is a huge and very powerful narrative of Islamophobia uh, as I a mean, result that, that, of the that, that, war on terror. Hmm. Let me just disagree with Amrit here for a second. I think there's a bit of nuance here. What the problem is partly in these situations is that the police does not interfere or like to interfere when it's a religious tension. And I saw this even when Sikhs, um, uh, Sikh mobs were attacking Gurdwaras for allowing interfaith marriages, something I wrote about in uh, it, about three, four, five, five years ago, actually. Uh, and I'm from a Sikh background itself, and I was urging the police to say, do something about the fact that this the police people were not going into Gurdwaras and stopping these mobs from attacking someone's big day. And the police then later met with me and said, we don't actually like to interfere in these sort of events. We'd rather let community leaders deal with these problems. Which is the and same statement they gave here. You're right. Hmm. You know, and I so in this situation, even in Smethic, Birmingham, we knew that there were going to be protesters outside a Hindu temple. And it's ridiculous that the police did not stop them from getting there or at least arrest some of them. Because frankly, you should not be letting people protest or have a mob outside a religious uh, place of worship because that leads to far more violence and leads to far more inflaming of tensions. So in fact, in this time round, the police did has done almost nothing and said, you know, we let the religious community leaders deal with it. I think if you look at um, this and you look at the that bulldozer parade that took place in Edison, New Jersey a few weeks ago, I think these are clear signs that sort of Hindu nationalism and Hindutva are sort of marking itself abroad. And it's undeniably becoming a phenomenon that's perhaps not restricted to within Indian borders. But one thing I wonder about is that... Um, I think Hindu nationalists love to talk about Hindu phobia as an active issue in the Western world. Um, and maybe Sunny and Amrit can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that is at best an exaggeration because I would imagine that what you find in the West is common racism because you're brown or you have a beard or a turban. There's not wider knowledge to distinguish between groups as Hindu, Muslim and Sikh. 
But Islamophobia became distinct after 9-11, which became sort of separate from baseline racism. And while anti-Hindu bigotry might exist in countries like Bangladesh and Pakistan, I would imagine that it's not necessarily so in the West. It's not a category of significance that they would like to imagine. But do you think um, more instances of this, of this sort of riots and violence and so on, that could lead that could lead to a greater level of prejudice against Hindu communities at large, even though most Hindus in immigrant communities would not subscribe to it? Uh, Is that like the question of Hindu phobia, we need to also think about what exactly we mean. I mean, do we mean prejudice against Hindus? Well, there may well be prejudice. But if we're talking about it in, in a more systematic way, um, just as we can talk about racism or Islamophobia, it has to have some sort of historical or material basis, you know. And certainly in Britain, that's not the case. I mean, it's very much... Uh, well, I have lived as a Hindu all these years in this country. And, and certainly when I first came here for many years, I used to wear saris, have a bindi and so on. I was never attacked as a Hindu. I was attacked as a brown person, right? But never as a Hindu. So the question of Hindu phobia is complex, you know. Um, whereas Islamophobia is held together by the war on terror rhetoric. Mm -hmm. um, and there's nothing similar which actually strengthens Hindu phobia. But I think Sani is right when he says that the actions of the BJP actually increase prejudice and um, and hatred up to a point against Muslim, against Hindus. Yeah, I agree. I think because both. you know because you know think about Sikhs. I mean, Sikhs endlessly talk about 1984 because people suffered. You know, people talk. Muslims know about Gujarat, right? So these things do matter. You know, they, what happens in India inevitably gets reflected here. PFI, they have been building up a case against PFI. And that's how I think uh, most of uh, people like us came to know about it. Since 2014, if you see uh, uh, whether it is NIA or uh, ED or CBI uh, or even the, you know, the state governments where the BJP is ruling. Mm, so they so, it, so right? they are the ones who only in one state it is banned. Not, not, no, Jharkhand uh, is banned. Jharkhand. Uh, only, no. only in Jharkhand. I'll no, just check. No, Achha, uh, only Jharkhand. Only I thought it was in a couple no, no. of states. Only in Jharkhand, not uh, anywhere mm. else. So, but they are bringing up, uh, you know, some single cases or, or a couple of cases uh, where, I mean, even, even Kapan hmm. was, uh, you know, called a PFI uh, sympathizer or something. So, they are trying to, you know, uh, build up a, a negative image of uh, this organization. We don't know much about it, uh, excepting the fact that they come up with some, uh, you know, some kind of newspaper or, uh, and also they come up with, the, you know, uh, you know, statements which is in favor of their community. But but uh, we don't know much about their terror activities. Nothing I mean, has, and nothing has proven. Nothing proven. And all, all the cases which are there in the court already against individual PFI, the so-called individual PFI members, Nothing has proven against yeah, them. There is more evidence against members of the RSS, whether it was, you know, the cases, some of them are still happening, some of them, hearings are only not happening. You know, one of them, one of the accused is an MP now. Hmm. Uh, but I read up about it. It's a not-for-profit. It is a volunteer-based organization. It is ideologically, I've, I've gone over some of the utterances of some of the leaders. I But I still haven't been able to figure out specifically like 
the stated objective of the RSS, and I've understood, and I guess I've read a lot more about the RSS, is a Hindu Rashtra, whether they state it or not. That is their purpose. And they have many other fituras they put in, but that is what they want. I have seen some of the statements of the PFI. I have seen some of the very unfair uh, reportage by mainstream channels of it. But I I still don't know much about it. And I'm, I'm guessing 80% of our audience know nothing about it, which is why I think we should do a deep dive on who they are, what is their objective. It was a merger of two outfits, one from Tamil Nadu, one from Kerala. Why did they merge? Some in Karnataka also. That's the part of the reason why a lot of people don't know about it because it's in the south. So mm. mostly in the south. And from what I understand, I may I don't claim to know a lot about it, is basically, so it was a collection of a lot of these sort of very conservative Muslim organizations, socio-religious organizations in the mold of Jamaat-e-Islami, which like say that you want to transform Muslim society, more religion, more morality, this, that and everything. But I think from what I've understood from talking to people and this is the reason they're going after them is because PFI is mostly active in Kerala and the coastal part of Karnataka. So along the Malabar belt. And that's where RSS, all these Hindutva organizations have been to trying to foothold. do that thing. Right. And these guys are kind of like standing in the way. Oh, that. Um, and more than that, that part of the from that part of the world, a lot of the people work in the Gulf and they have made a lot of money. And mm. they have come back and they have set up businesses, huge malls, this and that, which doesn't sit well with the local, you know, the Hindu-Muslim divide if it was that. So the, these are the people in that part of the world, at least, who you can't just roll over. Right. So there are um, there are some very serious allegation, allegations only against them, especially in Karnataka, uh, Kerala, they're accused of political killings. Mm. But so is like CPIM. Yeah, it is. Yeah. CPIM also Forget RSS CPI. Even CPIM <laughs> Are you going to ban them tomorrow Or like mm. raid them Yeah but I mean that's the What I know about it Right uh, Jeshi you have anything to add Since one of the No I ent- I, I don't uh, know enough About the PFI To really offer an opinion Except that I know that The Indian government Has cited them Time and again For things like The CA protests The Delhi riots Hathras The mm. Karnataka Hit up conspiracy They said that the students were working in collusion with the PFI. Right. So I would be very interested to know the deep history of it. And the but as to the optics of this, these raids now, I mean, I'm not... And the sure, max like, they have come up with uh, that these PFI individuals, they were going for some protest. So that's yeah. the maximum crime. The so corroborative for, evidence that they have got. For me, the clincher was <laughs> accusation number two, radicalization. Bloody <laughs> radicalization issue. All the channels should be shut down. Yeah, how is how is that a crime? <laughs> Which the Supreme Court has certified today. <laughs> yeah, what the Haan, Supreme Court? They, they, it is the TV channels uh, yeah, who are spreading uh, hate. Yeah. I I don't I don't think what the Supreme Court said out about the anchors is of any consequence because yeah I think like what is the point of observations and remarks I mean we need to discuss Supreme Court orders if it's in a judgment then yes if it's just a judge passing his opinion in open court it Mm. honestly doesn't make a difference to anyone's life no also more than that I think some of what they have said is kind of either it's disingenuous I mean they are so far removed from ordinary life or it's I mean sorry to say a joke. Because what they're saying is basically, like you were saying earlier, they're saying this, but if you are framing your entire evening debate about allegations against PFI, I mean, how are you going to control hate speech? Even mm. if you say like very yeah. normal things, mm. that'll be that. The and context. then there's the problem of how, how do you define hate speech? And some of the things, for example, they're saying 
anchor should do like this, do like this. When somebody says, I mean, you, that's not the Supreme Court's job to dictate how an anchor, anchor should, should conduct be, yeah. the show. <laughs> and I think the whole focus is on when they call these like nutty people on the shows and they say some nutty hmm. stuff, you should stop them. But it's the anchors who are starting no, doing that in the first the, place. The, 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 exactly. The, the nutty nutter has been chosen for that purpose. I, no, I think yes, the larger exactly. point, no, no. I huh. think the larger point that Supreme Court has been making that you have to come up with some kind of structure like uh, a structure regulatory structure a regulatory right, structure which, I which mean, uh, they basically. are not saying that they are going to do it but that should set no. rules for each uh, kind of debate so I think it's just the beginning yeah I think but, but I, the fact that somebody has I think it's made, very important uh, made uh, a little noise about it one so this this is a very particularly Indian thing that if you work for one company, you can't work anywhere else. And it's not restricted to software and elsewhere. For example, in the media, outside of this country, in the US, in Europe, you can work for multiple organizations at the same time. And you have contracts with each of them. And you have particular contractual obligations that you do this and this mm. and this. And you don't do this and this. But I can understand like in an industry, like a software industry, right? Where you are competing with the other thing, other people. And you are like, say, working on R&D project. Mm. You wouldn't want your person doing that same for your arrival also mm. but that should be I think the way to do, deal with that is when you're hiring somebody you should have like very specific contractual obligations like these are the things you're not supposed to do this you're not supposed to do this you're supposed to do this but see the contract read it well and then sign it mm. and then take it out not this okay kuch bhi chalta hai and then oh you did something wrong we'll fire you not not like that Jayashree see okay at one level if you are working for a competitor then yes i think that is a conflict of interest and that is a problem however moonlighting in general i am completely in favor i'm completely afraid of workers moonlighting if they have to especially when a lot of these tech companies and most other companies get away with paying their employees much less than optimal salaries so if you need to make more money and you're moonlighting and working a second job then that's fine rishad framedi had also said that he's willing to have conversations candidly if uh, and also, we have to remember that when we're saying moonlighting, they're not only talking about a job at a competitor. They're also talking about things which Richard Premji himself said, such as playing in a band or working in a project over the mm. weekend. Mm. So what if I start a baking business on the side? Am I moonlighting because I'm making money from some other way? Mm. So does your contract explicitly prohibit it? I think Business Today had a report where they said they reviewed uh, Wipro's employee contracts. The company actually allows employees to take up secondary employment with permission, it is not barred in their contracts per se. So I don't think moonlighting is necessarily dual employment. It's not a formal employer-employee relationship. So these are also factors that have to be taken into account to just sort of blanket have all these CEOs and all coming forward now and saying, yeah, we are strongly against it. It is so unethical and all. I think it doesn't account for a host of factors. The only reason which I would agree is that, yes, if you are working for a competitor, then it is a conflict of interest and that is unethical and that is a problem. In all other cases, I think it should be completely open and between. And why aren't workers disclosing? Because I don't think many workers have faith in their employers to not take action against them based on what is disclosed and what is not, right? Like how confident would someone be in telling their boss that, yeah, you know, I am doing this on the side and hope that their boss doesn't hold it against them. So, And also if it isn't something that like conflicts with your contract, it's not your boss's business to know what you're doing mm. on the side. Exactly. Like, if I'm playing in a band yeah. and getting like 500 rupees for playing a yeah. guitar. I think it also, it, uh, yeah, right. I mean, it, it no, depends on what no. you're doing. So also the, yeah. the, sorry, the kind of discussion this should lead to is, why are people being like other than like somebody has a hobby, play in a band, do gardening? Yes, people are, are actually looking for like a, another job. 
doing something on the side what does that say about your company mm. you're not paying people well or you're not yeah. giving them Rishad Premji what they should, should be get. introspecting instead he is ramping that is my final word they <laughs> <laughs> moonlighting and wipro case mm. uh there is a contractual obligation mm. very clearly says that you cannot work for the competitors you cannot work other mm. than you know mm. working the contractual obligation is very clear mm. they number one secondly uh, in most of the cases they are, were not doing gardening jo they were not uh, you know tech jobs, so they were course. not following their hobby of cooking mm. nothing uh, in 99.9% cases it was that they were moonlighting they were actually in their spare time or whatever they were you know working I mean, for the in all fairness a lot of the tech jobs that news laundry's got done have been done by guys who've been hired mm-hmm. who, are, who are working for microsoft oracle system or someone i mean they've done yeah no no like, i yeah, also know done. many mm-hmm. uh, many such people mm-hmm. all of you listening in the chota hafta do subscribe so you can listen to the entire hafta we will see you again next week with the hafta till then subscribe pay to keep news free because when the public pays the public is served and advertisers pay advertisers are served thank you goodbye all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel